Welcome to the Manuscript Academy podcast, brought to you by a writer and an agent who both believe that education is key. The beauty is the people you meet along the way, and that community makes all the difference. Here at the Manuscript Academy, you can learn the skills, make the connections, and have access to experts all from home. I'm Julie Kingsley. And I'm Jessica Zinsheimer. Put down your pens, pause your word counts, and enjoy. Welcome to the Manuscript Academy podcast. I'm Jessica Sinsheimer. And I'm Julie Kingsley, and we are hoping to build the happiest community of writers in the entire world. (laughs) I like the ambition. (laughs) The Manuscript Academy hosts a number of events and opportunities beyond this podcast, including live events, both written and live critiques from top minds in the industry, and a complete online writing conference. And I'm so excited for today. Yes, we have agent Barbara Powell. Barbara Powell began her publishing career as a freelance copywriter and editor before joining the Goodman Agency in 2007, but she feels as if she truly prepared for the industry during her brief stint as a stand-up comic in Los Angeles. She has found success placing thrillers, literary suspense, young adult, and upmarket fiction, and is actively seeking her next great client in those genres, but is passionate about anything with unique voice. Barbara is also the author of Funny You Should Ask, Mostly Serious Answers to Mostly Serious Questions about the publishing industry. And that came out January 2020 based on her Writer's Digest column of the same name. If you're looking to submit to Barbara, Barbara's looking for high-octane thrillers, edgy mysteries, literary, and upmarket fiction, and YA. But wait, there's more. She's also an author. Here's a little bit about her work. There's a certain perception from the outside that the publishing industry is a near insurmountable fortress, with gatekeepers and naysayers manning the turrets looking for any way to fire a flaming arrow at the dreams of an aspiring writer. Funny You Should Ask, based on the popular Writer's Digest column of the same name, assists to deconstruct, inform, and illuminate the paths of publication and beyond, all while dispelling the rumor that those in the industry are better than thou. I'm certainly not better than that. (laughs) And even though each writer's publishing journey is like a game of Plinko, you can drop the chip in at the same slot every time and get a different result. There are still common constructs and confusions that can be shared and explored together in order to help inform all writers. From understanding the nuts and bolts of a query letter to learning how to process the soul-searching envy of watching someone else's career flourish – to how to talk to your editor. Veteran literary agent Barbara Powell covers the approach and execution of the common and uncommon bumps along the traditional publishing path. This includes more than 100 questions answered, including expanded answers to topics that don't get the full treatment in a column, writing exercises, submission checklists, and publishing bingo for every publishing milestone. Welcome, Barbara. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Can we just start with something in your book called publishing bingo yep it sounds like a drinking game Mm -hmm. i'm totally obsessed by it i need to play tell us more yeah be obsessed by it so basically the way that i approach this book and kind of the way i approach life is a little bit of learning and a lot of laughing and for me publishing bingo kind of preaches directly into the heart of that so what we're dealing with is while you're going through the process which quite frankly can be a gauntlet of sorts of getting involved in publishing you have milestones that you can meet and milestones that should be celebrated. And I am a big fan of making games out of pretty much anything. Recently, Mm -hmm. I was out having coffee with a friend of mine and in the coffee shop, the 
fire alarm, like the smoke detector kept beeping intermittently. And I was like, okay, this is so annoying, but now we're going to make it a game. Every time it beeps, we have to shout an adjective at each other. And by the <laughs> end, we screaming adjectives intermittently in each other's faces. And it was so much fun. I was laughing so hard. I was crying. So I like games are how I get through things. So for me, it was like also sitting in the reward of accomplishment. We go through so much in life that we just do, go, do, go, do. And it was like, just sit for a minute. Just sit and be like, wow, I typed the end today. Wow, I submitted to two agents today. Wow, I got my first rejection. And all those need to be sat in as milestones. So I created publishing bingo so you can mark them off. And every time you fulfill a line or you get a blackout, yay, you have to do something nice for yourself. And so I include several versions of different publishing bingo in there for you and for friends in your critique group because you all have critique partners, right? Otherwise, we're not even having this conversation because the heart of this gospel is critique partners, beginning, middle, end. I love that so much. So, so Barbara, I'm and Jessica, I'm just going to throw this out here right now. I'm actually really feeling the need for us to give away this book. Mm. Yeah. One of our listeners. can Barbara, can you think of a game? Okay. First person that can name me three actors from the cast of characters of The Love Boat gets a book. I love that. I, I love that so much. Yeah. So the first person who sends an email to academy at manuscriptwishlist.com with the correct answer and who lives in the United States will get a copy of the book. Oh my God. And this is the first time we've ever done this and I'm feeling totally motivated. This, this is, is awesome. fun. We gave out a lot of presents at our holiday party and it's a, it's a good feeling. Yeah, it is. So you do so much. Can we talk about how you balance all of the pieces of your life? A, like a barnyard animal on roller skates in the middle of a, you know, Tiffany's, that's how I balance it. It's basically I'm doing everything that you guys are doing that any, quite frankly, let's be honest, woman who is listening to this is doing with as much grace as I can muster. But generally speaking, it is the way you eat a stegosaurus, small bites. <laughs> Doesn't that hurt? Isn't it no. sharp? No way, man. You got to cook it perfectly. I like a medium fire, a little bit juicy. A little A1. Little yeah. A1. Yeah, a little A1, a little Frank's hot sauce. Done. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> so I'm already sensing the answer to this question, but how is agenting like stand-up comedy? So you're a comic in LA. So yeah. tell us how they're alike. So they're alike because you, your job is to keep everyone in the same room moving in the same direction, no matter if you're doing stand-up or if you're agenting, you can feel yourself start to lose the room and you can feel yourself start to lose the conversation on the, whether with the editor or with the client or trying to get them to compromise because you're working towards compromise and working towards mutual goals on one side and the other, you're working towards everyone staying on the same page as you. So it's about keeping everyone moving forward in the same direction, no matter you're agenting or doing standup. Just out of curiosity, if you're on stage and you do feel things starting to go wrong, what do you do? flop sweat it just starts at the top of my head and then goes down my back and then all the way through down so it looks like I've jumped in the Hudson that's what I do I just panic sweat I mean you know stuff starts to go wrong you try something new same thing with agenting right I'm having a conversation with someone we're starting to raise our voices we're starting to show emotion let's bring it back to the basics what what are your basic needs what are my basic needs and where do those two meet so it's the mm -hmm. same thing right try a different tactic sit back take a beat try again I love that so much. Do you find you need to su suppress some of that that wit in the you know as an agent at times? 
It's really interesting, the idea of humor as a diffuser, and I can't help it. I, I literally can't help it. It's like, remember in Roger Rabbit, when if he did shave and a haircut, he would have to burst through the wall and yell, two bits. And that's what I, if there is an opportunity to make a joke, they'll be like, like I even said in this book, like, yes, thank you, Ms. Powell. Now we'd like to view the body. Like if there's a chance for me to make a joke, I'm making a joke. And so I found that it's it's an excellent diffuser in many situations, but there is a rule. This is an absolute true rule in my office where I am not allowed to swear before 10 a.m. because the creative vitriol that comes out of my mouth is so foul that it upsets <laughs> people it early in the morning, especially if they just have had their first cup of coffee or haven't quite had their coffee. So there is a rule in this office that I am not allowed to swear. And recently I hung up the phone. I'd let loose with a stream of just foul stevedore foul language and then everyone like someone popped up and I was like it is 1002 so I was within <laughs> my legal boundaries but yeah I am as a creative profane person as I am a, a humorist and so I think for me it's the idea that diffusing a situation with humor is a skill set that I'm proud of that I possess but I you know sometimes I can misread a situation and go for the laugh when everyone's like this is not the time Powell mm-hmm I appreciate you being willing to talk about the strong emotions involved in agenting. Um, I feel like a lot of people I know, at least on Twitter, like to mostly pretend that everything is going great most of the time. But it's been my experience that emotionally it can be all over the map. So thank you for mentioning that, even if it was just in in a matter of swearing. And those of you out there who are just saying that, you know, pretending everything is all right, stop. Don't be so boring. Like everything (laughs) doesn't have to be okay. In fact, the most interesting things happen when things aren't okay, right? Like what's the old adage, you know, when a bone breaks, it grows back stronger. Conflict to me, there has never been a conflict or a dissonance that then didn't create a more, a healthier situation afterwards, whether it's in my personal life, my professional life, or beyond that. And something, you know, I'm teaching my children is that you got it when you're learning to ride your bike, you fall down, falling down is part of learning. And I, that's a phrase I say all the time in my house. And I think it can extend out to our professional lives as well. I mean, yeah, I'm also famous around here for doing what's known as rage push-ups, where I will <laughs> stay very calm during a call, but I will slam down the phone and then drop down and do a whole bunch of push-ups really fast because I am like Cape Fear levels of rage, of murderous rage. And I find that doing a whole bunch of push-ups really fast helps to alleviate that. So basically, I'm kicking garbage cans, swearing and doing push-ups. I'm basically a prison movie from the 80s on any given day. <laughs> No, I appreciate that, though, because I think the image everyone has of publishing, and they can be forgiven for that from, you know, watching Twitter, is just everyone smiling in their cardigan and petting their cat and reading some books. No, that's not at all what this looks like. I literally fell over a garbage can trying to get onto this podcast because I was just screaming in caps on email or something. But I also find that, you know, another thing I'm teaching my children is showing that kind of high, high level of emotion, like it's not it's not beneficial in many ways and so boiling it down to again what what are your needs what are my needs and where do those needs cross was the Venn diagram here that's I mean personal professional again that's that's really the heart of the gospel isn't it and it's not you know how can I get the worst deal for the other person it's how can we come to a, a solution that works for everybody my job is to make sure that everybody gets up from that table that when the editor gets up from the table they feel like okay, they didn't get fleeced. And when the client gets up from the table, they feel like they, they got the world. So, you know, I don't want I don't want anyone walking away from the table feeling anything other than what we're creating for the author is the best possible plan for success. Can you tell us a funny story from your early start in agenting? Oh, a funny story from my early start in agenting, yes. 
I am also famous for misreading hugs. So I do not like to hug. I am a person who, but then once I like love you, I'm around you like an anaconda around an old log. Like, so there is a thing, especially when professionals, female professionals, there is a tendency to hug that I've just mm-hmm. noticed. Like you get up from a meeting or you met someone and, and there's hugging. And so I, I was really trying to figure out, and I, I spent a lot of time jamming my fingers into people's sternums because they would go in for a hug and I'd be like, oh, with a handshake. Um, so apparently, and my therapist and I are working through this, but apparently what I like to do is if I think a hug is coming, try to take command of the situation and aggressively hug them first. So I was at a very large event with the ever esteemed, ever glorious Holly Root. And we were speaking to a publisher who made a gesture that I misread as a hug. And I proceeded to leap upon this woman and hold her the way a koala (laughs) would hold a eucalyptus for a very extended amount of time, uncomfortable for everyone in the room. And then I had to slowly just slide off her and then act as if. And for me, I was like, okay, all right, I've done it. I've done it publicly and we can move on from this point. Oh man, does Root love to bring that thing up all the time. Like, <laughs> I, I feel like you're my long lost sister. <laughs> All right. Okay. If you are someone that has a lot of emotions often in your body, you know, it's hard to decide what to do with that, that physical space between you and other people. And that is such a great story. But I'm a huge Um, snuggler. Once you get to know me, I'll be all up in your business. I'll be like, can I brush your hair? Can I smell your neck? But like, at first I'm just like, nope, it's not, you gotta, you gotta get in that first first wall. Remember Victoria Marini, when we started working together, she was like, I still remember my first Powell hug. It's a moment. And my husband was like, it is a moment, isn't it? And everyone was teasing (laughs) me about it because I'm like, it's very, I'm very clear about my boundaries. And then once those boundaries dissolve, you're going to be like, could you leave me alone, please? Oh, that's great. You mentioned how important it is to, as you say, keep your eyes on your own paper. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, I do think, I'm going to repeat this phrase a lot because I think it's very funny, but that's the heart of the gospel is the keeping your eyes on your own paper. Like you can go, again, I'm going to do some life lessons here. You can go through life and you can be like, well, Sally got this and you know, Jenny got that. But keeping your eyes on your own paper is the most important aspect of how to make your career flourish. You can take note of other things that are working for people. Oh, they did Instagram ads instead of Facebook ads or, huh, you know what? They did promote, they did promote that tweet on Twitter and it ended up moving the needle for them. But what I will say is when it gets difficult is so-and-so got this, why come not me? That isn't counterproductive to you pursuing your best efforts in putting your book on the career path and it gets in your way. And sometimes what you think you're seeing isn't what you're seeing. Quick examples, and I think I do some of these in the book, will be, okay, so your friend's book comes out, it hits the times list on week one, and then drops off. Meanwhile, your book never hits the times list, but you're selling 1,200 copies a week for 40 weeks. Who's probably got the higher number of sales? Who's probably going to have a more robust re-up? You don't really know what's happening based on single data points. So when you're keeping your eyes on your own paper, then you can take your data points and apply them to what's working for you and remove what's not and move forward with that foundation. It's a key point to pursuing publication. And I think honestly, to just live in a good life. What's something you wish writers knew about life on your side of the desk as an agent? that I feel their the passes and the rejections, as, as you may call them, just as much as they do. And that when it is time, here's something I think that's a common misconception that's impossible to explain. When it is time, as it is sometimes in the agent and 
author relationship, it's not working anymore for whatever reason. It is just as egregiously painful for me as it is for you. If I'm calling you to say this is no longer working, blah, blah, blah. It's time for us to part ways. It is something that I have taken a great deal of consideration for and agonized over because my clients, the relationship I have with them is it's impossible to describe when you have a healthy author agent relationship, which I feel like I have with all of my folks, even after, you know, they leave, I like to sustain that it's an impossible relationship to describe. And the the rending of that relationship is incredibly painful. And I think people don't think of the agents as much on that side of the thing. They're just like, oh, my agent dropped me or, oh, my agent did this, you know? And I don't think that my clients, the ones that have let me go, I don't think they woke up one morning. I'm like, hey, I'm going to torch the world. I think that they've taken a long time to consider it and and it's been painful for them as well. But I think that's a misconception is that it is, at my, my heart is in this just as hard as yours is. We are in the same boat rowing in the same direction. And it's very hard when that boat breaks apart. Seconded. I think it's probably one of the hardest things we have to do, especially when you really care about them and you want them to succeed and you know there's potential, but it's just not working. Right. And sometimes I have to say, look, it's the it's for whatever reason, I haven't been able to find you that path. It's I'm more standing in your way than I am elevating you and it's time. And that can be hard to, you know, knock that that bird off the branch. But oftentimes they soar afterwards. But yeah, I think that's that's one of the more common misconceptions. Also, I think that's something that is hard to understand for a lot of writers who think we just always have the answer. Yeah. I mean, I would agree with that. And I think making having a conversation with someone saying this isn't working, no matter what rela- what the relationship is, is a difficult one. And I would hope that they are approached with grace and dignity in the same way that the relationship was entered. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had an author go against common advice and you signed them anyway? Like, oh, has anyone yeah. ever followed you into the bathroom to pitch you a book or something? I mean, like that? sure, all kinds of crazy stuff has happened. But one of my favorites is Renee Atia, who is, of course, the multiple New York Times bestselling YA author. And uh, I was at a, a conference and she came up to me after whatever presentation I had done and had her pages in hand, which I highly recommend if you're going to meet me in a public venue or setting. Definitely bring your your hard copy pages. I do look at them. But she came up to me and she said, hey, you don't, you know, you always hear no unless you ask. I'd love to take you out for coffee after this and pick your brain about the publishing industry. I legitimately laughed right in her face. It was a delighted laugh, but I laughed right in her face. I was like, that is delightful. She just had this it factor and she had this this quality to her. And I was like, that is delightful. But my husband and at the time only had one kid are waiting down for me in the lobby and we're actually going to lunch together. Otherwise, I'd take you up on it. And she handed me her pages and she said, okay, well, you know, I wanted to ask and I said, great. So I took her pages and I met my husband, Travis, downstairs and we went to lunch. And then later that night, I came home back to our apartment. I threw the pages on my home office desk. And two days later, Travis was like, hey, uh, did you read these yet? And I said, no, 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 I'll do it this week. And he's like, you need to read these. This is something. And so Travis likes to take credit. But uh, that <laughs> was what led me to signing Renee is that she she came up and did something a little bit out of the ordinary, introduced herself, invited me to coffee, and then handed me the pages of her manuscript, which people be like, don't do that. But it worked. And I don't mind that. Like, listen, you're a professional author. I'm a professional agent. We can have delightful professional conversations in hallways at conferences. You are not, you're not upsetting me or bothering me or interfering with my day. That is literally why I'm there unless I have to cut you off because I'm late for my panel or whatever. But that's what I'm there for, man. Talk to me. (laughs) Well, there is a line though. I was at a conference once and five minutes after the panel said, don't follow agents into the bathroom, a writer who was at the panel, and we know because she asked a question, followed an agent into the bathroom and pitched her the book. Like, I don't, you know, to me, again, you want to wait for me outside the bathroom? That's cool. I just, I don't really, 
I don't know. That's the whole reason why I'm there is to shine a little light in the dark places of, of publishing and to be like, oh, it's not that scary. Come over here. That's, you know, that's not a monster. That's just a coat rack. So if, <laughs> if that means you need to lean against the wall and wait for me to come out of the bathroom, just to ask me a quick question, do it. That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, I, I love how some people are so open to the out of the box and it's just, mm-hmm. you have such great energy. I could see that that would happen to you. You know, I think, I think it, for the writer, I think it is reading the energy of the person that is presenting themselves at conferences. And, you know, I mean, I think there are some agents that go to conferences and editors that they kind of have that deer in the headlight look. To yeah. them. <laughs> I've definitely had that a few times when like person after person after person for hours. Right. I mean, I, I know, I remember there was a time that I was supposed to meet up with this agent at a conference because he knew somebody that are, and I was kind of moving towards him. And I felt like I was, you know, in the movies when you're like, oh, I'm going to get there first. And I stopped. Because it was like this rush towards him. And I stopped and I was like, this is ridiculous. I'm not doing this. And I ended up meeting him in the elevator. And he gave me flowers from his room. You know, I mean, it was just like this lovely, took the manuscript and the whole thing. So I didn't sign with him, but so awesome. So let's just go back to, you're in the office, you're at home, you Mm -hmm. open up your inbox. Mm -hmm. Like, how are you, are you just opening with an open mind or do you have certain things you look for first? And can you take us through that process with you? Sure. Yeah. And I think juxtaposed against what I just said about, you know, come up and approach me at a conference, you know, be casual. That's what I'm here for. I do draw the line in professionalism and query letters. I don't want you to be pithy or speak in first person as your character. This is your book's calling card. This is your opportunity for your book to get in for a, a job interview. So I do prefer, and I kind of demand in my own mind, the idea of a professional query letter. So basically the first thing that I'm just looking for is a good opening line. And I say this all the time, but a query letter consists of three things, the hook, the book, and the cook. So the opening line will be, you know, the title of your book, the word count, the genre, a couple of comp titles. Then the book section would be four or five lines of premise, not plot. And then the cook section is you about you. And all you have to answer is why this book, why me, why now? So I'm basically looking for that. And sometimes what will happen is I will read the initial hook, the initial opening line of the query, and we'll say it's a 90,000 upmarket suspense novel about blah, blah, blah. I'll be like, oh, sure. And I'll just jump right to the pages. And that'll come back later on to read a little bit more about you if I've, if I've really enjoyed it. But it is truly and deeply all going to come down to the writing. You could have the most dazzling query letter ever, or you could have, you know, a series of chalk marks on an old tablet and I get to the pages and it's fantastic. That's what matters to me. So can you give advice to a writer who's just starting out and advice for the people who've been working on it forever and maybe not feeling the success? Read more. Keep reading. Keep reading what's out there. Keep keep yourself in classes. Keep yourself accountable to your critique partners. You know, someone who wants to be a writer, well, you're already a writer. If you're sitting down and putting words on the page, you're already a writer. Somebody who wants to be an author, you have to read books as a reader, a writer, and a consumer and pay close attention to what's happening out there and what the shift in genres are. Because remember, the books that we're selling now won't see the shelves for 18 months. So it's like having a crystal ball of sorts. But you know good writing when you see it. You can read a fabulously written mystery and know what it is and know that it's good. And you can read a brilliantly written middle grade. They're not the same genre. They're not even close. But you know good writing when you see it. So I would just say stick with it. And the only thing that people that don't make it have in common is they give up. So why would you, right? That's really the heart of the gospel. Why would you give up? Okay, I'm, I'm done. I'm never saying that again. <laughs> so, so tell us where to find you online. Let's see. What do I do? I have a Twitter account. I think it's at B Powell. 
And you can query me at barbara.queries at irenegoodman.com. And it'll be your query letter and the first 10 pages of your manuscript in the body of your email. And would you like to tell us just a little more about your book and where people can find it? So the book is called Funny You Should Ask. And I think of it as half love letter and half guidebook into the publishing industry. It is supposed to be, like I said, a little bit of learning and a little bit of laughter in order to demystify the publishing industry and your possible place in it. This was so much fun. Thank you so much. We are so glad that you joined us. And as always, we appreciate your feedback. Just head on over to the iTunes store and let us know what you think. And not only helps us make this podcast be the best it can be, but it also affects our ratings within the iTunes platform. We'd love to hear from you. If you're feeling brave and want to submit your page for our first pages podcast, you can send it to academy at manuscriptwishlist.com with first pages podcast in the subject line. We'd also just love to hear from you. And if you'd like to learn more about the Manuscript Academy and everything we have to offer, just jump on over to manuscriptacademy.com.